What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. The following is a high five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Wrestling with Freddie. And we have a very special guest today. I'm always excited when I get the chance to speak to him. He's succeeded in so many different areas of art and, uh, and life. And I like getting to speak to these types of people more than anyone else. So let's start the show. Welcome to Wrestling with Freddie. Now, stepping up to the mic, the host of Wrestling with Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of the all-time greats and one of my favorites, Mr. Chris Jericho. All right. I'm excited to, uh, you've done my show uh, before. Yeah, So now it's only fair that I do yours in return. That's right. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Like I said, uh, you know, we've been busy this whole time uh, over the last year and a half you know, with, with AEW and, and of course now that we're all back on the road and there's crowds and all this stuff. So for me, the whole, uh, you know, lockdown and pandemic was obviously a hindrance, but we still kept moving every week. So it wasn't like I was ever, you know, stuck in a house and couldn't go be creative. So that, that kind of helped me. So I've been actually really good over the last you know, a couple of years. See, for me, it was the opposite because right. I'm an introvert. So I literally was in heaven. I was like, <laughs> I don't have to see anyone or right. go anywhere. <laughs> I'll sit in my little studio and write all day long. It was heaven. Um, you know, a lot of people were like that. Absolutely. So it was so funny. I don't do very long episodes, but we got a lot to catch up on. Sure. And since I last spoke to you, you helped, you helped create an entire new wrestling federation. <sighs> And uh, it has since launched. It has become wildly successful. And the growth that you guys are showing, and I'm not talking about numbers and all that stuff because I don't care about that. You guys are going to be on 10 years regardless of numbers. And then people can talk about whether or not mountains have been climbed. But you guys have already kind of established a foundation. I like watching, and I watch much more consistently than I originally uh, did with this younger talent that you guys are bringing up. You're seeing creative growth on a damn near weekly basis with some of these younger people. And I don't know how much you're willing to go behind the curtain here and, and how much of the 
the sort of love you're willing to share. But a lot of these young kids, I watch someone like MJF and I'm just sitting there like, he's doing an old school thing, but in a new school way. And somehow he's, it's like Japan. Like they exist with like the oldest of old and the newest of new, and they don't crap on each other. And somehow they make it work. And I, he's this weird hybrid that I don't know if people are, are used to seeing for a while. Do you want to talk about him or are you supposed to hate him right now? Do you want to smash him in the face? Um, This is not a movie, you know, this is not a, a, you know, like your experience doing Scooby-Doo or whatever it may be. It's like, this is not a script for somebody wrote it. And this is the part you play for the next 90 minutes. This is something that we play on a weekly basis. Like you said, for 10 years, for me, 31 years, Uh, you cannot write a promo for me. um, That's going to be better than what I can write for myself. Now in WWE, after working there for, you know, a dozen years, I had kind of more freedom to, to, to do that, but a lot of other guys didn't and would kind of have to do what they were told. And therefore it gets very uh, stagnant, sterile. It doesn't feel real. And I think the AEW from day one has always let the guys do their own promos, write their own stuff. It's something I said, let the pros be pros. That's what we're paid to be. And whether it's being on screen, behind the scenes, lighting, whatever, like, I'm not going to tell the lighting director how he should light my face because we hire right we that's hire an old school john malkovich philosophy where he says yeah. hey i don't tell you where to put the cameras don't tell me about my motivation exactly it, right and it's the clint eastwood thing where where you hear where he's uh doesn't do a lot of takes why is that because i hired these guys because i thought they're the best guys for the part i don't need 20 takes to convince me of that one or two is pretty much going to be the closest right i feel the same with aw so when you take a guy like mjf if he was in another company they would probably give him more of a script which is not going to be the same as when you just talk off the cuff now sometimes he says things i say things all of us do that maybe we're a little bit over the line but for the most part it's more real and it feels more committed and it just feels uh, like the whole scenario is more legit. And I think the first thing people noticed when they started seeing AW from day one is that this just feels different because the guys can be more the characters that they want to be and not characters that have to be approved through, and you know this more than anybody, four or five sets of rewrites and redrafts and approvals. Four or five? I mean, they had 30, <laughs> 40 people in there giving yeah. notes. So I'm like, yo, right. what is going on right now? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, if, if, if you and I were going to write a script and we honed it and did rewrites and rewrites and rewrites and finally sold it, uh, for the most part, that script that we're now casting our, our actors with would be, you know, 90% complete. So most of the time. Yeah, most, most of, of the time. time. In this you know, if in the WWE world, they're writing their scripts the day of the show sometimes and then changing it right up to. Uh, there's no way you can really master that as a performer. The best way is just your own personal character and knowing your character better than anybody else. What would I say? What would I do? Now, some guys need help. MJF doesn't need help. Chris Jericho doesn't need help. Those type of guys can go out there and, and do what they what they're paid to do. And it just comes across better. And as a result, I think more people really enjoyed our show right out of the gate because of that. And might not have expected it at first because to them, well, wrestling's wrestling. That's not the case. 
Yeah, that's not the case at all. Let's uh I wasn't expecting to go down this road, but let's go a little deeper into that. Cause when I when I worked there, you hit me with a couple philosophies and you probably won't even remember one of them, but it I really took it to heart. But before we get into that, I want to talk about that writing element because so I always felt if you didn't know how to write your own promo, you needed someone like me. Right. If you did, what am I, what, what would we do? Like, there's no, there's nothing that I can give you that you don't already know how to do. And most of the time, the people who knew how to write their own promos were already over to some extent. So they didn't need much help getting over outside of the other person in the ring where I found it to be most beneficial were people that either a couldn't do it. And guys that were literally like, yo man, could you just like, give me a line reading and I'll just do it. Like, like you do it, and I'm like, all right, but you got to sound tougher than me. I sound like, a, like a, you know, a stoner from L.A. You got to sound right. like a badass. So um, the one thing that I did find, though, was I could help problem solve a lot of the the overwritten stuff, right? I remember right. seeing an MVP promo, and he hated it because Vince wrote it. And or rewrote it, I should say. And I was kind of sitting in the back looking and I already knew what the fix was, right? It was just one little line that needed to be tweaked and I knew it would be in his voice. And that was the problem. None of it was in his voice. And I finally just said, all right, he's either going to knock me out because we had never met. And he wasn't giving me like a come on in and help out kind of vibe. I said, he's either going to throw a punch or he's going to hear this out and I'll earn some respect. And I ran up and he was with he was with DJ And I said, hey, man, I think it's just this one little line. And it's kind of like a Pulp Fiction vibe. And I hit him with the line. And he looked at me like he was going to kill me. And I said the line. And he goes, don't go anywhere. Sit down. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm in. And we rewrote the promo real quick. And I just let him basically say what he wanted to say. And then I would kind of like put a couple words there to bring those sentences together. And he and I had a really good working. We became really good friends after that, even though he wanted to kill me. Um, but, <laughs> but when I went to like pitch ideas, I would run into walls a lot. And then I, you and I had a conversation. And again, I don't know if you'll remember this, but I was having a hard time pitching, uh, some of the smaller guys and you just kind of smiled and like looked away, like you were remembering something way back when. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was, but I'm like staring at him. Like, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? And whatever you were going to say, you changed to Freddie. He's his father's son. Mm-hmm. And I went, I went, what do you mean? What do you what do you mean? I mean, I, I grew up without no dad, so it didn't click with me. And you said, his dad loved the big guys, and he's his father's son. So yeah. he's always gonna see the big guy able to beat up the small guy, no matter how much evidence you show him, because his father told him it was that way. Mm-hmm. And I remember like getting on the plane and with Vince. And kind of like looking at him and I just, cha- it changed my whole philosophy on how I pitched things, especially how I pitched the smaller guy. And the first one I tried it with was Kofi. And 
I literally just I pitched it like a like a Spider-Man comic where all the bad guys beat up Spider-Man the whole time. But it's his like goodness that's going to sort of bring it out and right. not, not Hulk out. But, you know, we always pitched it where and of course, you know, he wouldn't win the he wouldn't win the title, but we'll just get him into that match. And, you know, we'd always be like, we'll cross that title bridge when we get there. So yeah. <laughs> so it really changed the way I pitched and I started having a lot of, of success with it. And after Kofi came the Jeff Hardy storyline, which brought him to the championship. And I literally right. started just looking for different angles. And I started seeing that he was selling more merch than even Hunter was selling. And so that's what I went into the pitch with. It was like, you know, the creative was the creative, but I was like, hey, man, this dude's selling more merch than anyone in the company right yeah. now. And even the people who were against the idea, I'm like, he's selling more merch than you, bro. Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. The following is a high five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You've got 30-plus years in this business, and I've seen matches of you all over the world. You know that I have a weird obsession with Asian culture, you got to talk to me about Japan. I know we don't have a ton of time and I got a million things I want to talk to you about, <laughs> but is Japan where you made your bones or was Canada really where, or not made your bones, found yourself, yeah. is where you let, found let, let, yourself? Let me kind of tie it all in together because because that is the true story and it is to this day. Like WWE has always been a big man's territory. Um, it started in the 60s and 70s with, with Vince's dad and Vince loves big guys. It's just the way it is. It's the culture he came up in. And even when when some of the smaller guys get a shot, it still goes back to bigger guys more often than not. Having said that, so in the early 90s when I first started, I was very small. I mean, 5'11", 220 pounds. This was the, the Hulkamania era still in 1990, which was 6'8", 300 pounds. So how do you get into the business? Well, I knew starting on Canadian independence, I'd never be the biggest guy in the show but I could have the biggest character and the biggest personality and the biggest charisma. So I started kind of focusing on that, which very much helped me throughout the years, even to this day. Then where do you go? Well, um, you could go to the Indies around Canada, but if you wanted to go to the big leagues, which for me was always WWE, it just wasn't the place at the time. Everyone was too big. So 
I was also really into Stampede Wrestling, which was in Calgary, and all of those types of guys, which was your Owen Hart, Chris Benoit, Brian Pillman, the smaller guys that I could tell, like these guys are probably my size, you know, plus 30 pounds of muscle, but they're they're very athletic and acrobatic. And I was very much, especially Owen Hart. I was very connected with Owen and what he was doing. Well, what does this Owen Hart do? He wrestles in Japan. He wrestles in Mexico. Well, that's interesting to me. How can I do that? So that's kind of where all that started. And Calgary was still at the time a very big wrestling hotbed where there was guys working in Mexico and guys working in Japan. So I got a couple tours of Mexico, which then led me to meeting Ultimo Dragon, who still wrestles to this day, who was wrestling in Japan and was looking for a rival. Uh, and that, not a rival, a rival. Um, and so that kind of was where I stepped in and I, I, I got a couple tours there right off the bat and did good. So I kind of got a, a, a steady job there very quickly. So Mexico and Japan is where I made my mark the most uh, and the earliest because it wasn't so much based on size. It was based on uh, athleticism and showmanship. So when I was 22 years old, I was like, a, 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 probably like you, when you were 22, Fred, Freddie, I was a cover boy as well on the cover of all, of all the Teen Beat magazines and those type of things in, in, in Mexico. And, you know, chicks would, you know, win a date with Corazon de Leon was, was my name and oh all that sort of stuff. Oh my God, I love And that. also, and it also wrestling had just gone on TV a few years prior, so wrestling was huge in Mexico. So it was very much a Beatlemania type of, of a reaction with, and chicks all every, like you come out of the arena and they're just the fucking guy. And this is not exaggeration. I remember getting kissed on the cheek and grabbed and pulled. And uh, they used very red lipstick that would basically tattoo itself to your skin. You could wash that for an hour and it would still have red. And after a while, I just walked around with red marks on my face. What else can I do? And this is not to say, oh, look at me. I'm such a stud. It's just to say this is how popular it was. So right out of the gate at a young age, I had that fame. But also, too, I was learning from the best workers in Mexico because I was in the main event. So because I was the good-looking babyface who could work, I was working with Negro Casas and Bestia Salvaje and, you know, Sangre Chicana and all these types of guys, El Tejano and, 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 and Silver King. So I was learning how to work a different style. And then that nailed me to go to Japan where I learned another style. So by the time I was 23, 24, I'd already had five years of main event experience all around the world. A lot of guys don't have that at the time and they still don't have it to this day. So I was very fortunate because of that international flavor. I still work that way to this day and can pull things that I learned from Negro Casas in 1993 that no one remembers and no one knows, but I know it. And then I can pull what I learned from, you know, Shawn Michaels or what I learned from Ultimo Dragon or what I learned from Eddie Guerrero and all these different guys. And next time I have a match with Darby Allen or Jungle Boy or MJF or Eddie Kingston, I can kind of bring in something extra to the table because of the way things were when I first started. You're still talking about young people. You're always thinking about getting the next person you have over, to. man. I love it. You, you have to. From day one in AW, Freddie, and, and, and once again, it's something, and this is not a WWE bash. I worked there for, for almost 20 years. I loved working for WWE, but one thing that they still have an issue with, and you can see it if you watch the show, is building new stars. They really have a problem with that. I don't know why, but once again, it doesn't matter to me what they do. From day one in AEW, when we showed up on October 2nd, even before that, when we showed up uh, for the first couple pay-per-views, we had no television deal. Then when we finally got one on TNT, it was an ad revenue share. 
Now, what that means for people that don't know is you make the money based on the advertising. If 50 advertisers, you get a share. If one advertiser, you get a share. So it was not a big monster deal. So I realized early on as being the kind of the face of the company and the one guy that the national audience knew besides Jim Ross, but the one guy that was in the ring. I mean, they knew Cody maybe, but not really. And Candy and the Bucks were kind of more independent or popular in other countries. I need to make new stars as quickly as I can. Cody being one of them. Uh, Kenny Omega being another one. And then you move to look at my first few programs. Like Matt, match three in AW was versus Darby Allen. Then Jungle Boy was right around that time. And then, you know, then John Moxley, who had to be rehabbed when he came from WWE. Mox was not Mox when he first showed up. He was still Dean Ambrose, kind of the goofy guy that wasn't funny doing all the stupid shit they made him do. Yeah. Talk about writers. Yeah. We, we had to make him into a star right out of the bat. So all of those guys, if you look at the first six months pre-lockdown in AEW, I worked with all of them. So very quickly, we had six to eight to 10 guys that were all shouldering the load. And four months after our first date, October 2nd, or three months, we we went from the ad rev share to a, a contract for, I believe, $160 million for four years because of the demos and ratings we got right out of the gate. That ad that ad revenue share is such an old school Hollywood yeah. move. Sure, and it's, sure it I mean, it's literally like walking on a plank and the, the captain of the ship is like, tell me a joke or it's the ocean for you if I don't laugh. It is the scare. I've been in negotiations where that was on the table and I was just sure like, it is. okay, so it's 100% gamble on myself. Right on. Let's see what happens, I guess. You know, and I mean, when I first started podcasting, it was the same. It was, it was an ad share. And then, you know, either you, you, you strike up a chord and get a fan base quickly or you don't. So... Uh, we were able to get one very quickly and it paid off in spades. And now if you look at the television contracts that are out there, I mean, we are primed if we continue doing the demos that we're doing for a huge renewal when the time comes just because of the ratings and more importantly, because of the demos that we've been uh, acquiring. Let's talk about multiple show business real quick. Have Look, you've been able to succeed in a lot of different areas, not just wrestling, but through rock and roll especially in this decade of your life. I mean, I know you've done it longer, but you've really kind of exploded with Fozzie. My son rocked out to it when I would drive him to school on Sirius XM because you were on the hard rock station, not 35, not 36, but 37. (laughs) And even he was rocking out to it. Do you think that wrestling opened that door for you? Or do you think that door would have been opened and wrestling slowed it down? I mean, it's really hard to transfer from one craft to another in any form of show business. It is. I mean, like I said, you know all about this because I know Hollywood is and you came in, you know, as, as the teen heartthrob. Well, how does the teen heartthrob transpose to winning an Oscar at 50? I mean, it, 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 it you do get stuck into a mold that people want you to be in. Fozzie, I think at the start was probably more hindered by the fact that I was a wrestler rather than helped. Uh, I think we had to work twice as hard to get people's respect because there are so many bands in Hollywood um, from different actors and stuff. And that's fine. I mean, everybody should do what they want to do, but I don't think people took it as seriously at first solely because I was the singer. What really kind of opened the door was the fact that we never quit, we never stopped, and we worked, like I said, twice as hard. But for us, the real difference is when we started getting played on rock radio. 
like you mentioned on, on yeah, series, but, but but across the country too. I never realized how important rock radio is to bands, even in 2022. Then I never realized until we started getting played on rock radio, how it just took things through the roof. And then finally, when Judas came out and that became the elusive hit single, I mean, I, I got uh, videos on Twitter last night, one from a London stadium where West Ham was I playing soccer. I saw this. This was amazing. That, that was amazing. Same, amazing. And then the same day with Carolina Hurricanes playing it, during their period, uh, their play breaks too. So you've got both of these things um, uh, happening at the same time. Now Judas has gone from you know a Fozzie song to more of a Universal Sports Arena song, and that all happened because of rock radio and timing and the fact that we just kept continuing to build and write good songs and work with the right people. Rock radio when they support you and and my uncle who discovered my dad and Richard Pryor. Before comics, he had musicians. So he had right. Prince, he had Van Halen, he had X, uh, Exine from that punk band X back in the day. And any, the power of radio is this. When you're driving down the road and you just got off work or you had an audition that you knew was going to go great and instead it just sucked ass and, was, and you know you're not going to get it or your old lady just broke up with you or maybe your old lady's driving you crazy and you put on the radio just to yell and scream and then all of a sudden a song comes on that just like clicks everything. And that's why radio's never going to die because you're yeah. always going to be in a car at some point pissed off at someone and there's just a certain song that brings you back, man. I mean, I... Yeah. I got spoiled. Like, I got a soft spot for, for three types of people. Stand-up comics, because my old man, professional wrestlers, and rock and roll stars, okay? <laughs> so it's until you go on stage and crack some jokes, then you'll become, like, sainted in my in my mind. <laughs> I've done that before. Have you I've really? Oh, no, yeah. then you are. You'll be the saint. That's your, your next gimmick. From Le Champion to Saint Christopher. <laughs> saint Jericho. Saint Jericho, saint that's right. But, yeah, man, ever since I was a kid, I remember it was my 12th birthday. It was 1988, and I was in my uncle's backyard in Brentwood, California, and Exine and the band punk band X were there and it. She was married to Vigo Mortensen at the time. This was before he mm. was like famous, famous. He was just an actor named Vigo. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, she sang a punk rock version of Happy Birthday to me and my cousin Kate. And then uh, <laughs> she was leaving and I said, oh, please don't go. You, could you? I don't remember what song I asked her to play. So could you please just play one more song? She goes, I can't. I'm going to a Belinda Car. She had a cigarette. She goes, I'm going to a Belinda Carlisle concert. <laughs> and I was like, what? Belinda Car?" In my head, I'm like, Belinda Carlisle. And she goes, yeah, I'm going to kick her fucking ass. And she just walked out. I'm 12. So until I was like 16, I believed she legit like went there to beat the hell out of poor little Belinda Carlisle. That's great. But I've always, I've <laughs> always loved rock stars because of that very, first encounter that I had with one which was her and every time I've met him I've had the best time and now you get to live the wrestler life which is tough but then you get the rock star life which is glory so you have like the perfect <laughs> the perfect balance man well you know what dude I mean I think that's kind of one of those misnomers like you know rock and roll isn't as glamorous as you think especially when you first start like anything else, it's like wrestling to you or acting like you, you got to just go with the flow and travel in a van and, you know, do all the things you got to do. Now we've reached a certain level where we have a nice tour bus. And um, so that, that takes things different. But, you know, when we toured with Slash, 
you know, Slash has a really nice tour bus that takes him to a really nice hotel where he gets off the bus and stays overnight. And then in the morning gets back on the bus and drives, you know, 45 minutes to the gig for us. You're driving sometimes, you know, 300, 400 miles on the bus. And when you get to the gig, there's a shower in the gig. If you're lucky, if not, you get a day room where you go have a shower, but you get back onto the bus to sleep and travel. So there's different levels. And then there's the stones <laughs> who travel in private jets to private hotels. And then, you know, the playing stadiums. So there's always different levels, but to me, the most important, same with, same with AEW. AEW's treatment is a million times better than WWE's ever was because the Khan family are owners of sports teams. So they come at it from a sports standpoint. I never had hotels and cars provided ever. Yeah. Ever, yeah. ever in, in, the, in the 30 years of working in the States, if I did a one-off or something, but they would never take care of that. AEW does. So, you know, the, the most important thing is if you want to be there and you love what you do and you have a passion for it, the rest of it falls into place. You know, if you don't want to be there, you can be staying at the Waldorf Astoria and flying in a private jet and it's a hindrance. If you do want to be there, you could travel in the back of a van and stay at the, you know, <laughs> sleep in the van or stay at the Super 8 with six other guys and, and you're happy. So to me, I've always done things, in my opinion, for the right reasons. I've never done things for money. I do it because I love to do it. And if you see kind of my 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 career, uh, you know, history, my resume, so to speak, it's pretty rare when I do something just once. Like podcasting, we're going on nine years. Yeah. I've written five books. We've done eight Fozzie records. I've been wrestling for 31 years. It's never like, oh, he put out a book and maybe didn't make money. Or ah, like, you got to put the time in to build it no matter what it is, acting, anything. And that to me is why I've always picked and choose projects according to what my gut instinct is. You know, cruise. Like we worked on the cruise for three years, and we're we just announced our fourth one. I have I have friends that are a part of that cruise now for a couple of years. I have buddies that have gone and done it in the in the stand up comic world. That's it, great. It's 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 the best vacation. I have to if you're doing. Your, they all love it. They all love it. If you're doing your your podcast for the, for the next year or so. On, on Cruise Five, we'll have the Freddie Prince Live <laughs> podcast. You can come hang out. We'll love it. It's crazy. the best. It's the best vacation. But point is, it's like if you do things for the right reason, the money will follow you. If you do things for money, you're probably not going to like it, and either not do the best job you can, or it's not going to last, and you got to go on to the next thing. And I've never done that, and as a result, my career's always been diverse, and I've had great longevity. And for everybody listening, the reason he can say that, and the reason I can nod my head and you don't see it, is because we have both seen people do it for money and we have both yes. seen those people phase out real quick because it does not work win the battle of your musty damp basement with an easy breathe ventilation system take charge of your indoor air it's easy with basement ventilation to remove musty odors pollutants allergens and airborne particles by 85 percent an easy breathe ventilation system creates air exchanges for cleaner fresher healthy indoor air and right now get 250 dollars off your own easy breathe ventilation system call 866-822-7328 or visit takechargeofyourair.com today
The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I, I agree. It, it, it doesn't work. And, and that's, like I said, and it, 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 sometimes it's hard to wrap yourself around. But I turn down big money gigs, not all the time, but most of the time because it's You'll find money in other spots. If if it puts you in a bad position where you don't feel it, then you're probably not going to do a great job. And people can people can sniff that out. Fans aren't stupid. They can the modern tell when fan for the sure. The modern fan for I, sure. audiences were never sophisticated until post millennium, and that's when audiences started like figuring stuff right. out and going, okay, okay. Behind the scenes is now just the scenes. Like there is no behind, so you yeah, can't you yeah, cannot yeah, fool yeah, them right, now. Yeah. I want to finish with uh, something that's more for just my fantasy, uh, but maybe you can jump in too. If you could have one match, any stadium, guaranteed sellout, any opponent at any time in their career, I'm giving you the Doctor Who phone booth. You can travel wherever, whenever, any stadium, guaranteed sellout, every single fan screaming or booing for you, whichever one you want any opponent at any time in their career who and where well but there there is there is there is two that i would take but 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 the one that i'm really looking forward to now that will happen is is the is the is the story we're building with eddie kingston in aw that's a guy from day one the moment he walked in i said that's a superstar uh it's going to be a huge baby face but i like his style it's very hard hitting and you know he i can't believe you brought him up i love i love eddie kingston i love to hear that you're actually doing something with him he legit forget the puerto rican puerto rican thing okay I, it's not just cuz of that i he legit i was watching whoever does your all's like video clips and those montages on social media they need a raise like they kill i'm telling you man the music behind it the cut the edit they did one with eddie a couple months ago and I legit cried, cried. And, and that's the reason why I like him is, is he doesn't look like a typical wrestler. He just looks like a tough guy at the bar, but his promos are above and beyond. So that's why like I kind of pick and choose who I'm going to be working with. And also too, it has to fit in with the plans that Tony Khan has and what the guys have. But the Eddie one was really something cool to me. And then I also deal in long-term stories. So uh, nothing set in stone, but but that's one that I'm really looking forward to that will happen. Uh, but the two that I have that never did happen, and they're brothers, and they're from the same part of the country as I am, was was Bret Hart and Owen Hart. I never had a chance to work with either one of them. Um, when I made up my mind to leave WCW in 99 and come to WWE, if you gave me a list of 10 reasons, wrestling Owen Hart would be one of the probably seven, eight, nine, ten ones. Owen passed away before that could happen. He passed away in, I believe, in May of 99. I didn't get there till August. And then Brett was in WCW, but we were on different levels. I was never kind of allowed to get to that level when I was there. And then he had to retire out of WCW. So we really never 
actually not really, we never had a match together. So those two, I think would have been great chemistry. Um, Cause when you come from a certain area of a country and obviously I trained at the Hart brothers pro wrestling camp, there wasn't any Hart brothers there, but there's a certain way that you train uh, where our styles were very similar and you probably think a lot the same and, you know, people say, well, who's, who's the greatest of all time. And to me, you could, it's all subjective. Whoever you think it is, it is. Some people say it's art. Yeah. You know, some people, some people say that oh, Chris Jericho is the greatest of all time. And if you think that, thank you. Uh, but other people say, oh, Chris Jericho is not even the top 20, you know, but to me, Bret Hart, you could make a case for him as being the greatest of all time or one of them at least, because as the years go by, you forget how good these guys are or who, how good these guys were. And all it takes is watching one of their matches in their prime. You go, holy shit, this is better than anything that's going on today. Yeah, man. But you forget that as the years go on. But uh, so Brett Nolan would have been huge. And then, of course, for me, Shawn Michaels was a guy I really wanted to work with. And we did in 2003. We had the best match at WrestleMania uh, 19. Um, but we really got to come together in 2008. And that was one of my favorite stories that I've ever done in my life. Uh, eight, nine months long. Oh, uh, can't compare it to anything. If you wanted to make a, you know, a, a documentary on how to have a, a great angle that was originally supposed to be nothing and ended up being a top angle that we're fighting for the world title nine months later. A nine month storyline in wrestling yeah. is like music to my ears. Well, yeah. And then just think too, Freddie, we did MJF and I in the pinnacle inner circle did a year. It was, it was, uh, I think it was two days shy of a year. So I made sure to mention it in the week after, just so we could say it was literally legitimately 365 <laughs> days. And that was done more like we didn't plan it that way, but we had a long-term story that kept being cool. And I said, let's, what's the rush? That's the thing I ask any wrestling company. What's the rush? You got 52 weeks a year. Uh, AEW is two shows a week. WWE is two shows a week. I hate hot shotting. I hate stories that don't tell a full arc with all the twists and turns you can do. And I also hate it when people go, all right, already, this needs to end. It's been going on too long. Shut your fucking mouth, okay? An hour or two of Titanic, if you thought it was too long, you didn't see anything yet. The whole last hour was the whole thing. So just shut up and enjoy the ride from beginning to end and then tell me your opinion. Don't get mad at the beginning. Don't get mad in the middle. Wait and see the whole movie before you start giving your opinions. And that's what I really focus on the best. And I appreciate long-term storylines. And that's kind of what I focus on uh, with whoever I'm working with uh, in AEW. You and I are so old school, man. It literally <laughs> is the reason I stopped watching TV because I got tired of knowing everything about the main character right. in the pilot. I'm like, yeah. well, you, you answered all my questions already. I don't need yeah. to see episode two. He yeah, doesn't need exactly. to grow. He's already perfect. Great. I just I just stumbled on this show on Netflix called Slasher. And it's kind of like a Canadian version of American Horror Story, but it's way gorier and it's way better written. Well, I love uh, horror. Dude, you got to check it out. From episode, there, each one is its own contained season, but it starts in episode one, and it's this violent, gory murder mystery where you do not see what's happening until episode eight. All three seasons I've seen so far have been that way. I love it. I don't know what's happening. I don't I want love anyone that to spoil. Yeah, and you know it's got eight seasons. So if episode two, well, that was stupid. Well, just shut up because in episode six, <laughs> what you see in two is going to make sense. It's like a Tarantino movie or something. I love that shit. Just I will watch from beginning to end. Just don't give me any plot holes and give me some plausible reasons, and I'll I'll be there. Yeah, you know? man, old school. So yeah, Dude, exactly. 
Thank you so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate your time so much, dude. You succeeded in so many different facets. A lot, every guest that I've had on are people who I respect their process and their approach because I feel those are, are ways to success. And uh, without even asking you those types of questions, you just laid it out. <laughs> you just you laid it out for anyone listening, like the, your approach to learning, your approach to leaving your comfort zone and going to other places to challenge yourself. And then when you succeed there, of course, that dude brings you to Japan to have a rivalry with him out there because of the sacrifice, because of that work. So, of course, you get noticed in Japan and then get to go. Like, that's the process. And even when I try to talk about the glamour life, you go back to the early days of the rock and roll when it's tough and it's rough and there are no private jets. And that's that's what's necessary for artists to succeed. That's why Jackson Pollock was broke most of his damn life. (laughs) But if you if you look at at how he would have succeeded today, he would have been a multimillionaire today with the way media goes and those types of things. So that's the level of sacrifice. That's the type of grind. And uh, you are far I, I i like to claim myself as an example of it but you are a far finer example of it than i am i got first class quicker than some people so i can't i, I can't i can't suffer like the rest of you <laughs> no dude like you said man i mean um even even when i left wwe to go have the match with kenny omega at the tokyo dome once again in japan after not being there with new japan for over 20 years took a chance built the match, did huge business with it over in Japan. And that's the match that Tony Khan saw where he realized people want to see an alternative. And that kind of spurred him in a lot of ways to take a chance to start AEW. And then when he took that chance, I took another chance and went with him. So to me, it's always about that. You leave your comfort zone. You know, if you're kissed, take the makeup off, you know, you got to do it. If not, you get stuck in a nostalgia role or you become stagnant and and nobody, nobody wants to see that. I've always been mostly influenced by David Bowie. When it comes to this, he always updated his image. He always evolved and changed. You never fucking knew even to his last record, Lazarus, you never knew what Bowie was going to do, but it was always Bowie. And it was always cool. Even if you didn't like the Berlin years or you didn't like the thin white Duke or whatever, it still was something really cool. And it was, was his evolution. It and belonged it evolution. to him. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about those types of guys. The long-term Guns N' Roses did it. The Beatles did it. Johnny Depp does it. I mean, you're always changing. And I love that. And so I, as Chris Jericho, made a pact with myself years ago. I'll never, once again, I'll never do it just to get a paycheck. And if it bores me and I'm not creatively stimulated, I'll move on to the next thing. And that's what's always benefited me with my career. And I've got a great fan base that trusts me on that and follows me. On And nine times out of 10, it's success. Once in a while, not quite. But nothing's ever a failure unless you don't try it. That's the best advice I can give. Damn right. And by the way, the list is still a top 10 gimmick of all time. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. That Thank shit, you, man. That would crack but, me up. And the but, it. Once, but, but once again, Freddie, like when when I came to AEW in 2019, another reason was if I go back to WWE now, the first thing they'll do is make me put someone on the list. And I'm not feeling it anymore. That was 2006. That's, oh, that's, too, that's so 2016. But that's how you've you know? always been, man. Like you've always yeah. had these things to, to con- continuously evolve. And I think, and again, I, I've never bashed WWE on this podcast. I have my criticisms, yeah, but I've never bashed I. on them. Nor am I. But nor am I. when they find something that's money, 
they never want to let go. And they get a no. little, they get a little bit of a, not a little bit, but they fear like, like Garth from Wayne's world. We fear change. Like they don't, <laughs> they don't want to see what's next. And they don't, it takes but, top but, but guys to kind of show them well, like we're stopping that's this. It, that's and we're it, doing Freddie. This. It takes a top guy with a lot of confidence to do that. Uh, and, and so I think WWE kind of shies away from it. Cause most guys, to, that's hard to do, man. Bro, I've seen you do it multiple up. times in a year. I've seen yeah, you do it multiple yeah. times in a year. I don't, I don't think I've seen anyone else ever do that, which is well, crazy. I'm not trying it. to blow smoke. It's just crazy no, that thank you, you pulled that off. Because I'm still a fan of everything. I can feel when it gets a little bit boring. And I can feel when it's like, okay, we've seen this again. And that's cool. But give me something new, man. Just, just something. You know, if I go see a band play 10 times and it's the same set every night, it's like, just throw in, throw in something. Throw in something different for the guys that see you 10 times. And the best bands do that, you know? Um, so that's kind of always been my MO and that's what I'll continue to do. And, uh, um, because it's exciting and it's, it's inspiring to me to do that. Well, dude, you're the best. You're so awesome that I've literally seen an MMA guy do the walls of Jericho in an actual <laughs> match and got a tap. That's how awesome you are. And, uh, thanks for being a part of the show, brother. Thanks, Fred. Anytime, man. Always got, uh, always got time for you, for sure. All right, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see everybody next week with a brand new episode of Wrestling with Freddie. Peace. This has been a production of iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 